Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. In this episode, we are joined by one of the co-founders of Treeline Journal, Chase Parnell. Over the last two years, Treeline Journal has become one of the go-to sources for coverage and commentary on the competitive side of ultra running. Chase has a lot of unique takes on the top athletes in our sport, and that's exactly why I wanted to have him on. In this episode, we talk about whether this generation of elite ultra runners are as compelling and as interesting as previous ones. We talk about Anton Krupichka's return to the Leadville 100 this month and whether it's the start of a greater comeback tour for one of the legends. We talk about the tools at his disposal and his process for providing pre, post, and in-race coverage. We talk about the price of being a full-time creator in this sport and what's required to make it. We keep the banter going, talking about some of the best trail running towns in the country. And I take the bait as he gets me to talk about the Salt Lake City running scene and some of the crusher athletes here. There are so many interesting threads in this one. But before we get this episode started, I wanted to read this excerpt from one of Chase's recent articles. It details why he and his wife, Nikki, arrived at the name for their business, and I think it offers the perfect glimpse at the passion they bring to our community. Quote, why the name Treeline Journal? To us, we view the tree line on any great hike as that moment of transition and beauty. On the approach, typically you have your head down, you're plodding through the woods, you're lost in the thoughts from yesterday. But when you hit that elevation where the giant pines no longer thrive, the tree line, things start opening up. Your perspective starts to change. You begin to see the world from a higher plane. You found yourself in an awe-inspiring moment. The purest form of dopamine floods your brain. This transition is representative of what we are attempting to achieve with this site. We've been staring at our feet, grinding away on the approach for far too long. We're breaking through the tree line and the whole world is opening up. It's a beautiful place to be, end quote. With that, let's dive in. Welcome, Chase Parnell. Chase Parnell, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, you came on my radar about six months ago. I was uh, looking at coverage for the Canyons 100K and you were on top of it. Uh, loved the sort of editorial, very opinionated perspective that you brought to the race. It was really a fresh perspective, in my opinion. Uh, then saw you there at Western States. Uh, and then, of course, at Speed Goat 50K, which is in my backyard here in Utah. And I'm like, I got to get this guy on the podcast. I just think that what you're doing is so unique and it's filling such a, a gap in our sport. So I think a lot of the audience is going to know who you are because most listeners are hardcore followers of our sport. But can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background in the sport and uh, what you and Nikki are doing at Treeline Journal? Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up in uh, Eugene, Oregon. So I've been I've been kind of involved in the running scene um, since I was a little kid. Um, just kind of did the traditional track and cross country um, all the way through and then moved to Bend, Oregon actually and, and ended up uh, working at a fleet feet for a guy named Rod Bean who uh, ran 100 milers and just like blew my mind. And um, 
I got to just kind of tag along with him on some some formative uh, runs and um, just kind of was hooked from really, I guess that's back in 2008, 2009. And so I've been racing, training um, for a little over a decade now. And uh, a couple years ago, um, my wife and I kind of uh, were, at, were at a bit of a crossroads as far as like our um, our satisfaction uh, professionally. <laughs> and uh, I decided that um, it was time to like pursue more of a passion project um, in life. Um, it was kind of like felt kind of like an hour and ever moment. Mm. And um, so we launched Treeline Journal at the tail end of 2019. So we're coming up on two years now. And um, yeah, we uh, write um, articles about, you know, I cover more of kind of like the elite competitive side um, with a few other uh, you know, topics thrown in whenever I'm kind of inspired to write something else. Um, we have a really bad YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> and my, and my wife does a, uh, a podcast called Run Hard, Mom Hard, um, kind of speaking with uh, women who um, want to keep kind of uh, pushing their limits uh, despite, you know, having kids and, and, um, dealing with all of the challenges that are associated with, uh, with parenthood and, and she's been having a blast. And I think, um, yeah, so we, we are, we're doing our thing. We're, uh, two years in and, uh, yeah, happy to be chatting with you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hey, it's great to have you on, as I said. And, uh, I think my first question is a broad one, so you can take this in any direction you want, but what's it like being a journalist in our sport? And specifically, uh, what's it like covering the elite competitive side of the sport? Talk about just what the last two years have been like from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, I'll thank you for calling me a journalist. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a very generous term. Um, no, I mean, I have like a, a legal background and I, um, write have, have written um kind of on the side here and there for a long time but um i don't i'm not i don't actually i like, consider myself uh like a professional journalist like i don't have the uh the skills one might learn in, a, in journalism school but um i'm not sure you need you need that but uh um yeah the, these last two years have been a lot of fun we've been kind of, like for me i'm kind of um it started out like a much more broad project where um, we're doing a lot more like gear reviews and long form, like athlete profiles, um, also, you know, the competitive stuff. Um, but over time, um, it became kind of clear that the competitive stuff, the, the previews, the recaps, and just kind of like opining on on my thoughts on races and stuff was what was resonating with the audience and getting a lot more like views and shares and all that stuff and so um i guess i you know i've i feel like um i'm trying to you know kind of add an extra layer to um adding context to the storylines of races because um it's just like anything else like the more knowledge and information you have the more fun and exciting it's going to be to follow right so right. 
right? it doesn't really matter. I mean, it could be on anything, uh, any topic, but with, with ultra running. So um, if people spare, you know, 15 minutes of their time to read a preview or a storyline article, I think um, there's value there um, for when they're actually following the race to just to be more like stoked and interested in what's happening out there. So um, yeah. Cause like when I think of, I think when a lot of people think of, race coverage in our sport their minds immediately go to you know i run far and what megan and brian are doing and to think of like refreshing their twitter feeds for western states if someone was to say you know um you know how is treeline journal different what what angle is treeline journal taking um in that similar vein how would you describe the difference between the two yeah i mean it, it's it's similar in some ways in that um, you know, I'm not providing some new, like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a writer is how I see myself. And then, yeah, we, we do all the social media stuff, um, trying to provide, yeah, like live updates and, and coverage in that way. But it's just kind of the differences in the people, I guess, like Brian, um, and Megan are their own like unique individuals that have their own takes and it's like what you know um my our value is just that like i have a different take and and maybe and maybe yeah i'm i'm uh um kind of more competitive or i see things kind of maybe more through a competitive lens although I don't even know if that's true. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's just uh, my particular flavor of interpretation of what's happening is just going to be different. And so, right. you know, one isn't necessarily better or worse than the other. It's just, you know, it's going to relate and to, to a different audience, you know, so. Right. I mean, I was on a run with uh, one of my buddies earlier this week and we were talking about this interview and, um, I described your writing as essentially recreating the conversation that two people that are really into trail running have when they're heading up pillar downhill and just like in the moment, really enjoying the sport and like getting stoked for some upcoming event. Like, I think the way you offer takes on the sport is just this very honest, real, authentic take. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, well, and very editorial too. Like if you, you feel like a sports columnist from back in the day, Okay. Yeah. Like the, how I got into the sport was, like I said, like coming in, uh, under the wing of this guy, Rod Bean, who, um, is like, you know, somebody who's will bust your balls, uh, like really competitive, <laughs> like, um, you know, and so, yeah, like, like probably so many of you guys out there, it's like, hours and hours on the trail just like dissecting like performances and and talking and, and so you you just like yeah develop the vocabulary uh that i'm writing just by all that talk and all that reading and you know so it's um uh yeah i i mean i try to be honest that's mm. definitely been like one of the goals from the very beginning like my mantra early on with treeline was like, I'd be honest and have fun. Like it's like super simple, but um, like if I'm not doing those two things then it's like, there's no point in me even like doing this because like, 
I want to, you know, I want to put out a, yeah, like an authentic and honest uh, opinion. And like, that's what people like. That's what I like. Um, and I think people can sense if you're, you know, BSing and, and so, um, and then, yeah, if it's not fun, you know, I don't know, like I got to remind myself to have fun. You know? Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So, okay. I like to do my research before shows and I was listening to your interview with Eric Schranz on Ultra Runner okay. Pod, uh, maybe it was a year or two ago and it was great. I mean, that's a great podcast. Obviously that's like podcast 1.0 in our sport. Yep. Um, and Eric's awesome. He stirred the pot a little bit. Like he, I think he said something to you, like, you know, you're covering the sport now you're, you're covering the elite side of the sport. Don't you think that the runners these days, like the top are just like way less interesting, that they're very like sponsor oriented. They're just like yeah. there because they went to college and ran steeple and were really good. And now they're in ultras dominating. Like, do you have any thoughts on like whether the storylines these days at the top are as compelling as like, you know, Anton back in the day and Killian and and Trayson and all these legends like do we still have this cool narrative to work off of and you know better than anyone else so I'm, I'm fascinated to know hmm. I don't know I think you're giving me too much credit like I that, that I know more than anybody else but <laughs> um, I mean my I mean I, I get what Eric was saying like yeah why do you think you said it well I mean it's I mean, it, it has changed. Like, when, I mean, when you look at like the top of the sport now um, and like who, who's on the podiums compared to what it was a decade ago, um, it's a different type of runner. And I mean, that's no surprise. I mean, it's no surprise. And I think most people like kind of get that where um, ultra running was growing and it was attracting um you know, like better runners, like better mm -hmm. people runners, more gifted, fast uh, runners who have, you know, like the genetics. Um, before you had kind of more like maybe characters, like um, almost kind of like more like rock star personalities, uh, right. in my opinion, um, and more of like a, a, like a certain like mountain ethos compared to like you know yeah guys coming out of college you know they might like dabble on the roads but not be like quite fast enough to like be like tier one road marathoner so okay. they so they come over to the trails and you kind of wonder like do they even like trail running <laughs> um like or is this kind of like how they're applying their massive talent right mm. uh, but really both are still very interesting because it's super fun to see like what Jim does at Western States like that. I mean, that will blow your mind, but it was also really cool to see, you know, like Anton and Jeff Rose and the, all those guys, um, Tim Olson and like that whole class. Mm. Um, it's just like a different, you know, it's um, a different flavor. Yeah, and just intriguing in its own in its own way, and exciting uh, for 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 different reasons. Um, I mean, just for example, from my perspective, like I just watched a fifteen minute YouTube video of Jim Walmsley hopping in his Toyota Forerunner to the trailhead, put all his windows up, and just talked for you know ten minutes to the uh, 
to the guy on the camera about his training and he was very scientific about it and very in the, in the weeds. And like, it's just a different type of interesting, like, yeah. um, so yeah, no, I watched I it was at the, the sweat elite. It was like the, yeah, the sweat elite conversation. And like, he, he has to bring him right into the whole, like, this is what I do in my car. This is what I do on the run. This is what I'm not eating hydrating. It was just fascinating right down to the, you know, leaving his windows up for, for heat training. So, yeah. Well, and Jim, Jim is like, I think he, yeah, he continues to get more and more interesting. The more we, you know, hear, you know, like the more he like shares with us all, you know, right. Uh, like right. there's no shortage of demand for, for like anytime Jim wants to like come out and like say, you know, say anything or do anything. It's like, everybody's all about it. You know, like, um, it's just like, he's, I mean, he's transcended. <laughs> um, so that's been fun to watch for sure. Who else is particularly interesting to you in the sport right now? Like from a storyline perspective, who, who are you like looking forward to writing about or covering at future races? Yeah. Well, I mean, most immediately, I mean, the biggest thing for me is obviously like the whole Anton Leadville thing. Right, um, right. I mean, that's been such a long time coming, you know. And, can you and, talk about that for a little bit? Because I think, you know, some of our listeners might not be totally tuned into what's happening. Yeah. I mean, so Anton hadn't uh, really raced since 2015, uh, Trans Grand Canaria. Um, he was sixth place there and then he's battled injuries um ever since you know and he he won the uh i think it was the 08 no 07 08 uh leadville races and then you know did really well at a bunch of um other races um despite people you know kind of trying to pigeonhole him into kind of like a one-hit wonder of some sort at, at Leadville but he's mm -hmm. I mean he's had a really great career I mean huge huge volume guy um but yeah got himself into a long string of injuries and so he hasn't raced in six years and every year that goes by you know it's kind of um a joke that like that's the year this is the year right. <laughs> that Anton is going to you know come back and um you know kind of like prove all the haters wrong that you know like he still got it or whatever right and so finally you know like the stars have aligned and and he's like i followed him closely over the years and read most everything and watch all the videos just like a lot of people out there um and so uh you know he finally kind of like cracked the code it seems like this year and is at least at the very least you know making it to the star line the lead bill is like um it's a huge deal because he hasn't even started a race, you know, since 2015 and, and he's fit. And so it's, that's, that's the other thing is like, um, I don't think he's going to be messing around out there. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to like win the race, but based on his training and, and, you know, all public facing signs show that, that, uh, you know, he's kind of back. And so hopefully this is just like kind of the first of, of many uh, races, like on the Anton comeback tour, but um, we'll see. I, I think it's just like, he's, he's still probably, you know, I mean, I don't know how he's stayed relevant uh, since 2015, you know, not racing. It's, it's become more of kind of like a lifestyle uh, right. mountain culture athlete that mm. just does huge volume, whether on the bike skis, uh, climbing, whatever. 
and um, and he's still wildly influential and great for ultra running in my opinion and i I know eric trans shares that opinion like he's a big big fan too oh yeah and i couldn't agree more and i think he's one of those like few three or four athletes that have transcended the sport itself and have kind of like entered into the general public like he's kind of like scott jerk in that way and i mean i think you agree he's probably one of the two or three athletes that's responsible for like all of the growth in our sport the last decade like when people think of like why they got into ultra running like he's probably one of those storylines that inspired them. So I think this is a huge PR moment for the sport. Even if he just finishes the race, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's pretty clear. Like I wrote that one article about Anton and it like, it got more like traffic than like my prior 10 combined, you know, it's just ridiculous. Like I I want to say that on like a previous urp episode eric was saying like anytime he puts out an anton article in his daily yeah. urp it like always rises to the top like it's just the most clicked on just type put anton in your subject line or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so you want to start a website about uh, ultra that's like lesson that's like lesson one yeah. oh my gosh um, cool well that's really exciting yeah and so will you will you be in leadville covering that race or what's the plan no, no, I wish. I, I mean, Colorado is pretty far away from Bend. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just not going to happen. But I'll, I'll be following, of course, uh, online. And excited for it. Yeah, awesome. So another thing I wanted to talk about is the tools at your disposal to cover races. Um, you've talked about how this the competitive side of the sport has gotten easier to track. You know, with uh, the advent of platforms like Strava, where people like Anton can log all their data and you can kind of study that over the weeks and months leading up to a race and make fairly informed predictions about what's going to happen. Is is Strava a big uh, source of all of your analysis? Like what else are you using to get a pulse on the sport? Um, is there anything else that's on like your wish list of like what you could have? Like, is it interviews with athletes? Like what would you do to if you had the chance to dig deeper into these uh, backstories and predictions leading up to the race. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I'm just, I mean, I guess it's four things. Like one is just like my catalog and my brain of uh, things that I remember from following these runners um, for a long time. Um, Strava just to see, you know, I usually try to look for like key workouts, like, yeah, what's the indicator workout where it's like, Oh damn, like, you know, that back to back, whatever, like really, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I try to like pull, um, some of the, the kind of crazier workouts or look at volume. Um, yeah, just like the Strava analysis, like the, the really like nerdy deep dive into, um, that kind of thing. And then, yeah, I look at like obviously race results. Um, so ultra sign up and and that's kind of like one of my pet peeves is like i mean ultra sign up is great but if you're trying to cover a race that doesn't use ultra sign up it does get harder you know? right um right because some some don't don't have any sort of you know ranking system or you know prior results uh, or like you know that's where it gets tough is there's so many new fast runners entering the sport that I, you know, I might miss, you know, a podium person just because they're, you know, 
it, it, they're hard to find sometimes, especially like right. at a, like Bandera where right. they don't use ultra sign up. Um, we're talking like a lot of Texans. And so the, the die, like there's a little bit of pressure to not miss um, somebody who might ultimately go on to like win the race, you know? Um, and then, yeah, so race results. And then there's like UTMB's uh, performance index that used yeah. to be on ultra. So yeah. that, you, you know, like, if they don't have anything on ultra sign up, I still try to like look there. And then there's like the FKT site now too. Cause sometimes you might have like a dude who's only interested in FKTs and then he hops over into a race and then like crushes it, you know? Mm. Um, and so it depends on the race, like Cocodona 250. When I was writing about that, there's a bunch of like long haul, like backpacker dudes that were in there. And, um, mm. uh, I missed some guys, but they were all over the FKT site. So, you kind of got to yeah check all the sources um but those are the main ones and then social media obviously so i'll just look them up and check out their recent posts see what's going on just to add a little bit of you know commentary on on maybe where they live what they're doing you know just are there any athletes in particular that you think are are pretty transparent about their training and, and on social, very public about how things are going that you enjoy following that are an example of someone that's easy to kind of, yeah, to follow. Yeah. I, I mean, I think most, the outliers are, you know, obviously the ones that are like have no presence whatsoever. Um, I mean, it's great to see Jared Hazen on Strava now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then there's like Jim who like goes quiet for right. like I think he recently went yeah dark um i mean he did that leading into western and stuff but um that doesn't bother me especially from you know like it's kind of fun um but mm, i don't know i can't really think of like any anybody specific that uh like that's like really like top tier um i don't know I like, you know, like Corey Waltering. I like people who are like a good time, you know, like, right. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Cool. I mean, some people, some are, it's kind of obvious the ones that um, are sharing solely for like sponsors mm. and like you kind of tell it's like a more of a duty than just to like, you know, interact with the audience, you know? Right. Um, but I'm not going to like name those people. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. We're not now. Um, well, here, let's transition for a bit. I would, so I just had Dylan Bowman on the podcast last week and we spent a fair amount of time talking about the growth of the sport. And mm -hmm. let's just assume for the sake of this conversation that growth is good and that we do want to see the numbers in this sport increase in America, across the world. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how this sport is going to grow in the next decade, like what it's going to take. Like, do we have to tell a different narrative than the one that's worked in the last 10 years? Like, is the narrative that like Anton was telling, for example, that got people like you and me into the sport, is that going to need the change to get like the next generation of ultra runners in? Like, how do you see this sport growing? Yeah. I wouldn't really necessarily say that the narrative, I mean, some of the specific things, you know, like you mentioned Anton, like we don't need to be like pitching the minimalist, <laughs> um, like, like 
really you know like things specific to certain certain athletes um Mm. i mean i i think ultra running the the narrative the attraction for like the masses is you know mostly like this is a really hard thing to do like this is a big objective i don't know if i can do it uh it looks really you know stunningly beautiful out there um you know what is that what's that going to feel like um how will how will this benefit my life like people are like well i think people will continue to be captured by that same kind of narrative and doesn't matter if it's you know some new kid coming up um i think that's going to be exciting um and even for shorter distances really if like there's a cool course that's like sub ultra you know like if it's um, and this is where like the Europeans, I think, have haven't made is they've got so many like, you know, look at that peak from the village, like we're going to go summit that peak, run up it and run down it, you know, like. Um, so like the these objectives will always, I think, be enticing for for people. Um, but I, I do think that there that there needs to be a concerted effort to get people into the sport earlier Mm. um like the the pipeline um like most people get into like most people most ultra finishers are like in their 30s you know 30s 40s like you know track and cross country don't need to be the only way you know like i think in europe the kind of the mountain culture schema like kids get into that stuff early on and it's its own thing you know trail running is kind of like cross country it's like you might run on some trails in cross country but the races are like on golf courses or whatever you know um i think it'd be really cool to see a lot more like developmental groups getting like middle schoolers high schoolers stoked on like building an identity around like mutt running as opposed to it being just kind of like a fallback once you're you know washed up from like traditional running um right so that's one that's one area of growth i think that we could do a a lot with and and to add to that for a second because you just made me think of this um you think of somebody like killian over in europe or francois and those guys are approaching the sport of ultra running not for this for that sport itself but because it's part of a greater mountain sport culture like they're doing like killian considers himself like a skier first yeah. and then a runner second and i'm wondering if like one of the other pathways is to just introduce like kids in america to mountain sports in general where mm-hmm. trail running is part of a package of like three or four other sports that you do in the fall spring summer winter because mm-hmm. it seems like that's what the euros do yeah yeah and i mean the u.s is like so vast um so it's you know there's like so few i mean they have like rocky mountain west pacific northwest i mean like i mean so options are limited i guess um as opposed to like if you grew up in switzerland it's like it's all right there but um so it makes sense that they're getting into that but um you know i hear all the time like 
living in different mountain towns, like the locals who say like, I've never been up that like 2000 foot mountain, like never in their life. Did they ever, like, when I used to live in Missoula, like, there's, like, an M on the mountainside, and it's, like, there's people that, like, had lived there their whole life and had never been up there. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, and that's, I mean, that's just, like, that's a cultural thing that, um, you know, hopefully it starts to snowball as people get more and more active and and kind of outdoorsy in general, but, um I don't know. I think of it like a place like Bend. Um, that I mean, this we've got a lot here to offer, and we just got to get 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 people out there, get them exposed, create experiences. Um, and it's been cool. I mean, not to like go down too much of a rabbit hole, but oh, yeah. uh, recently we started up a, like a weekly group run. Um, up this mountain called Mount Bachelor. It's about 20 minutes outside of town. It's like a 3,000 foot climb. You get up to about a little over 9,000 feet. And we've been doing it every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. And like, um, I don't know how like the word gets around, but we've had like a couple of little like scrappy high school kids that are like cross country skiers or or just reg- like runners or whatever um, show up to these. And one one dude brought his like little, his like little 12 year old brother. <laughs> and um, like, it was so it was an experience that they wouldn't have had you know they were around like a bunch of the, like max king wasn't at that like that workout but they're like mm. running kind of similar like that type of level um and so who knows what seeds were planted with with something like that right mm. so um which i think we need to do a better job of including you know younger kids into the fold you know well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I really like your phrasing, uh, with the word pipeline and mm-hmm. just like thinking of ways to create these really memorable experiences earlier in life around the mountains. So as I explore this question further, I'm going to be uh, stealing that from you. I, I, I also think that like, like there is a baseline human curiosity that we all share to explore the edges of our potential, like whether that's psychological and like doing stuff from an intellectual standpoint, you know? coding and stuff or physical like what we're doing in ultra running i think that we all share it and i'm convinced that there's some sort of narrative we can build around that because i also think that life is getting easier like over time like with technology and stuff life is getting easier and easier and we're getting bored and we Mm want to start challenging ourselves so something's going to give and maybe we're going to be there when people get frustrated enough to go do something stupid and run 100 miles (laughs) right yeah well, it's easy to forget like the why behind doing, you know, like I've got a hundred miler coming up in a few weeks and it, and I do lose, I, I, I lose my grasp of why I would want to do this, you know? So like, and it, it like the experiences always like fortify this. Like you, you never like go run an ultra obviously and regret doing it, you know, like these things like build on each other, but um as far as like yeah exploring like the outer edges of your potential like um i don't know how common that is but but yeah that's what we're trying to do and that's what you're trying to do is like get people or inspire people to try you know try hard things um and even if i can't articulate why in this moment like Mm. um the benefits you know are just like, I don't know, they, I mean, running is like ingrained in me and it's like, 
it's unquestionably on the good, you know, on the mm. good side. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I want to see more people, you know, get, get to have that as part of their life for sure. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, I want to pivot for a second to, I want to get a little philosophical and I want to talk about being a creator in this sport and, you know, at times a full-time creator. Uh, I think you, so I love your competitive articles about the sport, but I also really like what you write from a philosophy standpoint. And you had this article a while back and it was about the universal human problem of starting and stopping things. And you mm -hmm. talk about how we get inspired and excited and consumed by some singular pursuit, like a hundred mile race. And then as mm -hmm. soon as we hit roadblocks, like if it's in training, we, we give up and we start looking for exit strategies. So where I'm going with this is, I think there's a lot of people out there who also want to make ultra running their life's work in some capacity, whether it's as a pro athlete or a business person or a race director. Um, mm -hmm. They want to make it part of their life's work, but, but they're, they're scared. I mean, it's tough. Like what you've done this now for a couple of years. Um, what would you say to those people who want to make that bigger investment to go all in or to work their way towards all in? Yeah. What advice, yeah. what concerns, what pros, what cons? Yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely learned a lot from, from the start where we kind of like jumped, jumped in head first, full on. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't really recommend doing, doing that. I think the whole, like, don't quit your day job is like a pretty like wise uh, thing in some regards. Mm. In other ways though, it's like some people just aren't going to do it unless they go all in, you know, like, so you, you definitely have to kind of know your, your personality, like, um, like a side hustle that might not be very exciting to, to, you know, exciting enough to get somebody to like, really like pour into something. So, um, you know, like with, like with, you know, anything else, I guess, I don't even think this is unique to like, you know, uh, being a content creator. It's really, you know, analyzing and evaluating whether or not you can be uh, entrepreneurial in some way, like, um, and even it's funny, I just keep now, now, now everything from this, you know, origin point of the, or of the Eric Schranz interview is coming back to me, but <laughs> um, he, he, you know, was like, well, what the hell, like, how are you going to make money? Like, like, yeah. uh, you know, like pass on the back, don't pay bills or whatever, you know? And like, yeah. So I think, you know, if, if your circumstances allow you to jump, you know, full in, go for it. Um, there's going to be lots of, uh, ups and downs. Um, and, you know, at least speaking personally, um, you, you got to be able to like, yeah, weather, weather the storm, <laughs> the storms. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like, you never know when like, um, a good thing is going to happen, I guess. So like keeping the hope alive, um, as you're kind of like building your, your baby, because it does, it is like very personal, especially when, um, you know, like, I'm over here like writing my thoughts and feelings for complete strangers to read and judge and dismiss and uh, like who knows, you know what, like, um, so there's a bit of like thick skin that needs to develop. Um, you gotta, um, you gotta be having fun and you gotta have a long-term uh, perspective for uh, your project because 
for us, it's, it's like, it's been like slow and steady growth from the beginning. Like, um, you mentioned like Dylan Bowman, like Dylan Bowman is like, you know, he's a superstar. Like he had like a big platform, he launches pillars and he's like crushing it. You know, it's like everybody already knew who Dylan Bowman was, you know, not, not all of us are Dylan Bowman, you know? Um, and so, but he's a 10 year overnight success too. I mean, he's been doing this since 2010 and it wasn't until 2019 really that pillars gained steam. Yeah. So, and he was so, yeah, he was building his like brand and equity this whole time. And now it's like, it's, um, he was able to roll that into, uh, pillars. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, we were more starting from a, you know, a place of unknown. And, and, um, so that's why it has just been like incremental. Um, it's like still growing, but I haven't been doing this like full time. Like I took a, um, like a limited duration job with this, with the state of Oregon for like nine months out of the last two years. And so yeah. like, I'm, I am like floating the ship, you know, as like as best as I can, but it's still like day by day, you know, like we're very, um, you know, very, very much still in like a fragile state, but, but I don't know if that'll ever change, you know, as like, right. uh, a content creator without, um, a real product to sell beyond just like people liking to read what we write, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's well, tough. I mean, there, there's, there's more lucrative business. <laughs> like I think about within the ultra running space, it's like coaching, race directing, um, and then getting into like gear. Like if you're an, actually working for a brand, like those are more like, you know, you're selling the thing, you have a, a product you know, getting into like media is a little, you know, more wishy-washy in some ways. And, and, and that's one of our struggles has been like, okay, how do we, how do we generate, you know, like an actual income? Right. And we're still navigating that. Um, so it's just where we are. I don't know. It's, 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 it's times like these where I wish we had a, a universal basic income, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that could just support creators because you're doing such a valuable thing for the community. And the fact that like somebody who's delivering that much value has to worry about like the livelihood of the business is it's crazy to me, but maybe in a couple of years, we won't have that problem. Maybe that, you know, obviously your thing could take off and yeah. 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 And uh, I mean, like I said, it is, it is still growing, you know, and so it may just be like a numbers game where, um, you know, if you hang in there for long enough, you know, it might, it might pay off, you know, so we'll see. So you do these, and I love reading these as well. You do these state of the website addresses from time to time, uh, like Mm -hmm. how Treeline Journal is doing. Um, what's the current state of the website? Like, are you still doing what you want to do? Uh, you've talked about finding the niche, which is, you know, the competitive side of the sport. We haven't even talked about Nikki's work, which is great as well. Um, we should have her on the podcast at some point, but, um, yeah, like what's, what's the state of the website? Like, what are you, what are you working on right now? What, what's, what's in the pipeline? You know, you talked you hinted at some stuff after your, uh, Western States article came out, like what's up? Yeah. Yeah. So we are not like huge planners. Um, I kind of mentioned earlier, like I'm kind of like swayed by the winds of my personal interests. <laughs> and um, so like, you know, I think it was so great that like race season happened this year. 
like that was huge because we, we went through 2020 with like nothing you know like i wrote more about fkts than i ever wanted to you know right um and and so like just like in the immediate pipeline um we are gonna go to lake sonoma which will be cool mm. um uh, they're going to have, I mean, they've assembled a, an awesome field despite having to like push out their race. Um, we're going to be going to another uh, race here in Central Oregon, actually, called the Oregon Cascades 100, which um, is kind of our first, uh, I mean, we did one uh, kind of more local uh, race a while back, but this is kind of an, an experiment since it's kind of in our own backyard to uh kind of try to connect with like the central Oregon bend scene a little bit more. Um, I'm currently working on like a, a gear review that I haven't done in a while. I don't know. There's just lots of, lots of things. I mean, we, we do our, our weekly rise and grind newsletter. That's just like constantly um, being worked on at all times throughout the week. Um, Nikki has a bunch of cool uh, guests in in the pipeline. We're we're uh, we're hanging in there, but but it is kind of like, you know, it's still just like a tenuous place because like mm. I I am um, also like looking for alternate uh, forms of <laughs> forms of income, mm. uh, and so like I'm doing some freelance writing for other like publications. Um, and just kind of like hustling you know and like i told you earlier I, i'm kind of a somebody that kind of wings it in a lot of ways um and and so i don't know not much of a state not much of like <laughs> state of the website address there but uh we're just do, doing what uh you know like what's what's fun and what's exciting and and responding to, to, you know, like what our readers want to hear. Right on. Well, two more questions, then I want to go to a lightning round. The first is, I've never been to Bend, Oregon, and I understand that that is your current place of residence. Yep. Uh, sell me on why it's one of the better trail running communities in the U.S. right now. I'm going to get a lot of crap for this, but... Um... I won't sell you on why it's <laughs> <laughs> because Salt Lake City is the right answer. Well, well, I mean, Bend, Bend is like, I mean, how I describe it is, I mean, you kind of you got to like drive to trailheads. You know, it's one of those places where, um, like, the mountains are like not right out your door. Okay. And so, I mean, great town. I mean, especially if you like, you know, shows and breweries and coffee shops and. Um, but as far as like a purely like trail running town, um, I've lived in better. Okay. Um, just so uh, forgive my blasphemy if you're listening to this from Ben. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, li I used to live in Missoula and uh, Bozeman, Montana. And um, Missoula, of the two, I think I liked it. It's close. But as far like I'm a fan of running from my door and where I lived in Missoula, it was like on, on three sides of my house, you could get up into three different trail networks. And that was just kind of a dream, you know, to have that kind of uh, variety on a daily basis from the door. All I right. I, I dig it. I dig it. 
<laughs> well, let's let's let me reframe the question then. Uh, in your opinion, what are the rank the top three trail towns in America? And let's say that the the factors are trail access, community, and uh, <laughs> intangible vibes. <laughs> uh, that's a tough question. Oh man, the audience uh, the audience demands drama. Like we need we need you to take some stands here. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you're coming from Salt Lake. I mean, I can tell I was just there. Well, you guys have, I mean, yeah, like a 5,000 foot climb from, from a, a metropolis. Right. It's pretty unique. Um, but it was also like pretty hot and smoky down there when I was down there. I don't know. How's, how's the smoke level right now? <laughs> uh it's it's terrible We're, this is this is actually this has been a pretty apocalyptic summer yeah. uh yeah yeah i mean i haven't spent a lot of time in colorado so i i, I can't really i mean i've like i've been to boulder mm. um i don't know it's yeah like i think i'd be overwhelmed in a place like boulder where it's like you walk down the street and um i almost get the same vibe in portland it's like if you're not like 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 outwardly showing some like crazy style or it's like it's unique to not be unique in portland <laughs> you know? um, and in boulder it's kind of yeah it's like you're just like lost in a sea of like mega enduro culture um i need your three my, well hmm. i'm gonna say i'm gonna, i mean i gotta say both because i know them so well and they were incredible both missoula and bozeman okay are incredible for okay. me personally like okay. um you know quieter uh no trailhead congestion you don't, have to pay, you don't have to pay to park uh mm. at a parking you know at a at a trailhead um i i, I don't know I, I can't i can't even i don't know i mean i don't know enough about flagstaff that's kind of i don't think arizona's that pretty i mean if you want well, <laughs> these are hot takes i dig it no but that's cool Mont i think i don't think montana gets enough love i think when people think of trail running they think of like you said boulder flagstaff um marin i think salt lake city gets slighted myself until well, recently well it's because of the cold like it's because like people don't i mean people are just not sure what to do with utah right like unless right. You, like i bet since you live there you know it and it's not like I feel like if you're coming into Utah from the outside, you're kind of tiptoeing around because you don't really right. know what right. you can and can't do and what you right. can't say. It's like um, there's that unique quality of it that that I'm too ignorant to to understand. And so, um, I mean, I think you guys right now, like, I probably know way too much about the runners in Salt Lake City. Like, you guys got a lot of good runners. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, we could talk about. Let's like, talk about it. What do you think? I mean, well, first of all, I was wondering, like, what, what happened to Jimmy uh, at UTMB? Did he pull out? Yeah. So Jimmy, Jimmy's healthy. Jimmy's in great shape. He did pull out. Uh, he's a close friend of mine. 
he yeah. pulled out just uh for family reasons but um he will he's in great shape i think if he was towing the line for utmb uh he would be he's definitely top 10 contender um very strong he's part of that chico state group anthony costales yeah um you know and Tim he, tollison he lake anthony costales or is he outside anthony, anthony costales is also in salt lake proper yep um but I, the world has yet to, in my opinion, realize Jimmy's greatness. I think that of that trio of Chico runners, he's actually, he has the most potential. Okay. Um, you know, so that, and that's my hot take, but I think that if he were running UTMB, uh, there'd be a lot of celebration going on in Salt Lake city the day or two after he's, yeah. he's an exciting runner. Um, and yeah. maybe, and I'm sure he'll be there at some point, you know, in the next couple of years, but a uh, very strong runner. Yeah. Yeah. I've been like, corresponding a little bit with um let's see leah yangling and oh yeah yep like leah's, so, leah like, leah's really strong too yeah she's crushing it i mean i was just looking at her uh what she did at squat peak 50 this year like, like that's sick so she's not running um a utm mike is running tds right I think they're also both staying local. I don't want to speak for her, but you know, she, I think she has some unfinished business on the bear 100 course. And so okay. they're staying local so that she can prep for that. Um, I thought I saw Mike's name on the TDS entrant list, but he, he might still be on it. I want to say, I want to say he's doing like pine to palm actually in Oregon. Uh, and, and he's had a great about, year too. Yeah. How about this? How, how worried do, uh, do we need to be about uh, Eli White at Wasatch? So you Eli know, is, <laughs> I, I, know, I know Eli well. Oh, Eli's a good friend. Eli. Me, me and Kaiser, me and Ryan Kaiser are coming down into your neck of the woods to run Wasatch. And Kaiser is very fit. Yeah. Uh, but then I know Eli is fit. And then there's some other guys uh, like Trevor Fuchs. Um, yep. I'm, 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 I'm going to be way off the pace. Like, I'm not ready to like be sure. 100. Sure. But, like, um, it's kind of fun to like. So Eli, Eli is coming off a course record performance at the Tusher 70K. And, uh, you know, he's put, it, it was, it, there's been some good, strong runners that have done that particular event at Tushers in the past and, and he blew him out of the water. So on his day, he's incredibly strong. This is his first hundred mile, uh, performance. So there's that to consider, but he's one of the most mentally tough runners. I know he's so stubborn when it comes to finishing, even when it's not his day. So, um, I, you know, I think he could win if, if, if the stars align, um, I know he's going to finish no matter what, I think it's going to take a lot for him not to finish. And, uh, I know he'll be listening. So he'll be, he'll be glad I said that too, but yeah, he's, uh, he, he's, he's, he, he's very underrated. He's, he's, he's had great performances at a lot of different ultras in the past. And um, because the, the stack of runners here is so deep, I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves, but he's strong. Okay. Any other major heavy hitters in Salt Lake? Oh gosh. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, a guy named Caleb Olson, who you covered at speed goat 50 K. Uh, he ran sub six hours. He ran like five fifty. And people he's who have, in Chamonix right now. He's in Chamonix right now, lining up for uh, CCC. And okay. really humble guy. But in my, he's like I call him the blonde Tony Krupichka because he's so right. versatile in the mountains and he's so strong. Um, you know, I'm he if he has a day in CCC, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people because he's fit mm -hmm. enough to do it. Um, but you know, he ran five fifty at Speedgo, and people like Jimmy ran 550 at speed go so did dylan bowman the year that dylan bowman got seventh at utmb he ran 554 at utm at speed go so that's a great litmus test for what you can do at marquee races and uh i think caleb's got a strong future ahead of him so we'll see nice nice yeah that's um, a strong
strong squad. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good people. I'm I'm missing a ton. There's also a strong road running community, but yeah, I think uh, I think Leah on the women's side is is someone to really pay attention in the future. Same with Teresa Kaiser. She's won Wasatch in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't know what she's signed up for, but she's a she's a female runner to watch. Um, she's really strong as well. Nice. So let's yeah. let's uh, I could talk about this for hours, but let's let's go to this lightning round here for cool with it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Uh, again, we're going to get back to the philosophy because if you can't tell, I love, I love uh, fortune cookies and whatnot. So what is the most recent bit of wisdom that you've come across that, that resonated with you that you want to share with the audience? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I mean, I'm a huge podcast uh, listener. And so I was listening to uh, Courtney DeWalter on Rich Roll. Mm. And um she said something that like, I didn't quite catch at first. She was talking about like the pain cave. And so this is a running related one. So sorry if you were looking for um, something else, but um, she, she's talking about the pain cave and how um, mostly, I mean, really just kind of like her relationship with um, struggle and how when she's kind of started to train her uh, mind that, um, you know, the pain cave is where you want to get, you know, like it's not to be feared. It's like, she says that she like actually visibly, um, like, um, you know, thinks about being inside the pain cave, like with mm. a shovel and a chisel and a chisel, like in there, like when she's in the pain cave, like making that pain cave bigger, making it more hospitable. You know what I mean? Wow. So, yeah. And like, I just hadn't, hadn't thought about it in that way so like i love that learning how to to embrace and like wanting to get to your paint cave so that you can make it better and that you can be better when you're there like, i think that's something to draw on i think you know especially if you're going into like a tough race or something i'm gonna think i'm gonna be thinking about that one for a while that's a good one and i gotta listen to that, that episode too i love rich it's good it's good um name one thing that your work at Treeline Journalist taught you that you think has widespread applicability that everyone should know, that everyone should incorporate into their own work? Let's see. Um, I kind of touched on this earlier, but uh, yeah, it's kind of like, wet, I mean, weathering the storms, like don't give up. Um, I had a guy tell me, uh, like, you never make any big decisions in February. <laughs> um, there's just, there's been, you know, there's been a lot of times where like a rash decision is not, it's not the, it's not the choice. So um, uh, hang in there, you know, because most likely something's gonna, something good's gonna come and it's gonna flip, it's gonna flip the whole situation. So uh, just hang in the pocket there and, and you'll get through. <laughs> what book are you reading right now? Uh, it's Appleseed by Matt Bell, uh, who's actually an ultra runner, lives in uh, Phoenix. He's run like some of Air Vipus races, but uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. You want me to get, you want me to say what it is? Like what what's, it's, uh, what's, what's the uh, elevator pitch? Yeah, it's like... Uh, man it's speculative fiction three parallel paths one in like the 1800s one like 
2040 and one like a thousand years from now mm. it's like a it's kind of like a eco thriller Ooh. but um like climate change and stuff like uh, but interweaving like three different narratives and i don't really know where it's going but um i'm a part of a book club so i just it, it, i get sent a book once a month and that's gotcha. like this month's book <laughs> i i love eco punk and eco thrillers uh i'm gonna give a shout out to one of the ogs and that is ecotopia i think that's written back in the 70s okay uh, yeah great book it's about what would happen if the entire west coast of the u.s split off from the union and formed a country totally based on like uh fighting climate change very cool Funny. um what is on repeat on spotify for you right now what music are you listening to a ton uh Man, I mean, I mean, I listen to Pandora. I'm not a huge mu- music guy, but pretty much like Alt J. Oh yeah, I'm on Alt J like all the time, and I've I've been I've been writing down songs for like the last three weeks, you know, anticipating making like an epic uh, uh, playlist. But um, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> a couple more here. Uh, what's the best meal to cook when you're on a camping trip? yeah man kids really kills camping trips (laughs) Uh, but when we do go yeah we've got to go to um all right so it's uh i mean pasta because it's easy orzo pasta okay uh mozzarella cheese cherry tomatoes basil kalamata olives so you just cook the pasta and you mix all that in it's delicious super easy and I mean, we grow a ton of it in our garden. So it's like something we make all the time anyways, but it's super easy for camping too. So is, do you have a name for it or do you just? No. Okay. No, it's the, it's the Orzo dish. I dig it. No, I dig it. Orzo is great. Uh, last question. Uh, what is something that isn't big now in our sport that you think will be big in the future? It could be, you could take a nutritional angle here, a style of clothing, training, racing. What's going to be big? yeah all right i got it for you uh okay it's a style of race um and it's it's based off of like the tour de france and i've it's like it's like just i'm just starting to see it like there's a there's a race somewhat nearby um it's called like the oak oak ridge triple summit challenge or something um but it's one of those where you'll you'll have it's a stage race like a three-day stage race where you'll have an overall winner uh like a king of the mountain like a climbing uh a winner a descending winner and like a sprint uh winner what they do is they um they give like you know like the polka dot bib the next day so it it is very much like the tour de france yeah and they even did it at the golden trail world championship last year in the azores where jim jim ended up finishing second overall but they had those segments laid out i remember that i think it's really cool because I mean, there are like pure climbers and they're like pure descenders that like will never see the light of day on, on a podium. But like you put them in a race like that, um, you know, like the kamikaze descender friend that you have that just, just like <laughs> crazy. Like I think that, it's, that's Eli, by the way, for right. Wasatch. Watch <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, it, I think it's a cool way to like spread the love um, to like some different disciplines that um that don't always get the limelight, but that like are legit. 
<laughs> so. That is an awesome answer. I dig it. All right. Well, Chase, it was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I want to give another shout out to Treeline Journal. If you're not already a Patreon and you consume this content, what are you waiting for? Go become a Patreon. Um, thank you for what you do. I hope you keep it up. I hope this never stops. Uh, we need your perspective in the sport. Uh, where can people find you? Like, what's the website address? Where are you on social? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, treelinejournal.com and then uh, treeline underscore journal on Instagram. We're on Twitter, treelinej. Um, we've got a weekly newsletter called Rise and Grind. comes out every Thursday morning that you can sign up for. Um, yeah, and then uh, Run Hard, Mom Hard podcast. If, mm, shout out to Nikki. Yeah, if you're a mother, aspiring mother, father, aspiring father. <laughs> you know it's never too early to get your education in um, in, in that whole world uh, so yeah thanks man for having me on it was a blast love what you're doing um debo is a tough act to follow uh, i don't know if i'll be episode number two but <laughs> oh you will be episode number two and uh, no we're, we're we're proud to have you on this was awesome and uh at some point around two, because I think just given what you do in the sport with all the uh, up-to-date coverage, we're going to want to get the pulse again. So um, right. I mean, got, we, got, we got UTMB coming up. So we're, I sure. can't wait to hear whatever you put out for that. So thank you. Definitely. Take it easy. Peace. All right, that's a wrap. What do you think? I like Chase. You can tell he is a true believer in our sport and really one of the good guys of the community. And I like what Treeline Journal is doing too. I thought Chase put it perfectly. Um, their articles add value by providing that extra layer of context, you know, to the storyline of races. And I think when you give readers more knowledge, you know, even just by bringing them up to speed on all of these interesting athletes and their backstories and what they've been through and what they're working towards and how they're thinking about the races. It just makes these events that much more exciting to follow. Um, anyways, I'm rooting for their business and hope to be consuming the content for years to come. Uh, as always, you know, there were moments in this conversation that stuck with me. The first was late. It was in the lightning round. Chase brought up Courtney DeWalter's comments from a recent ritual interview about how she trains her mind um, by convincing herself that the pain cave is a desirable destination, that it's not to be feared, and how she brings a figurative chisel and shovel with her to make it more hospitable uh, so that it's a better experience when she's there. All I can say is what a reframe. So cool. Uh, the second was part of a continuing theme on this podcast about how the sport can and will grow in the next decade. Chase raised a good point about how a lot of athletes uh, currently enter the sport of ultra running relatively late in life, usually quote unquote washed up from some other form of running or other sport. And to make it younger and to bring more numbers in, he'd like to see more developmental groups that introduce kids to mountain culture early on uh, and get them stoked about building an identity around trail running. Very similar to how uh, European kids get introduced to this early, how there's already sort of an existing pipeline over there. And I thought that was really interesting. And it's something we'll have to explore further. I have a few guests in mind, I think, that are qualified to really do a deep dive on it. Um, but I did promise him I'd run with the idea because I think it's great. 
moving on to some housekeeping. So this episode is coming out in the back half of August. It's actually the wee hours of Friday, August 20th. And I'm scrambling to get this out before hopping on a plane to Chamonix tomorrow for the UTMB festival. Uh, I will be racing CCC. It's something I've been thinking about and basically training for, for two years, but equally as importantly, uh, there to celebrate with the rest of our tribe and maybe just maybe to make a few connections for future episodes of this podcast. I cannot thank all of you enough for the support on the first episode. Uh, it's created a ton of momentum for the show. And as a result, we have a jam packed September for recording. I have a ton of work ahead of me. Uh, thankfully I'm stoked to do it. Uh, but to tease out a few upcoming episodes, uh, we will be having, let's see, Amy Clark, uh, who is the uh, editor-in-chief at Ultra Running Magazine on the show. We will be having Larissa Rivers, who heads up marketing in North America for Strava. We will have the one and only Ryan Gelfie, who is the owner and head coach at Trails and Tarmac, also one of the great runners of our sport. And we'll have Carl Miltzer on the show who probably needs no introduction, but of course he is the winningest hundred mile racer of all time and the race director for the Speedboat 50K. So those are just a few names that are coming on the show uh, soon. Uh, also Grayson Murphy, I mentioned her last episode, she'll be on as well. And I cannot freaking wait to share these conversations with you. It's gonna be awesome. All I ask in return uh, is that you hit that subscribe button on your podcast player. Uh, if you can submit a rating and review and hey, if it comes up in conversation, share this thing with anybody in your network that might find similar value. Um, I got a full-time job, very lucky to have one. Um, this is a hobby right now, and uh, that's all I need. I just need the support um, from a social standpoint. So until next time, stay on the path. This is The Single Track.